Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Yankees 5, the Indians 3. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And you're probably thinking to yourself, Davey, what's going on? Where's the fun music? Where's the, you know, the normal intro we're used to? Well, I actually went to the Indians game tonight. I got to go to the game. I got lucky enough to uh, get some very good seats. Um, And I went to my first Indians game since 2019. And the truth is, it's almost 11 o'clock at night leaving the stadium. And I have to be at work tomorrow morning at 7 a.m., which makes it really difficult to do a baseball podcast, which is supposed to air the day after the game. So uh, I have absolutely no time to record in the morning. So I figured, you know what? I'm going to try it. I'm going to use the Anchor app. Like I say in my uh, pre-game, in my pre-show read, I'm going to use the Anchor app and record while I'm driving home. What's the difference between talking to you or talking to a friend on the phone? So I'm going to record the podcast. So I'm not going to have the normal details and stats, but I can give you what I can give you in this episode is a firsthand experience of what it is like to go to an Indians baseball game post-pandemic. And uh, it's a little bit strange. It's a little bit, I shouldn't even say post-pandemic. I mean, we're still in the pandemic. All right, the Indians are at 30% capacity. This is the Friday night game. It was was a sellout as far as the, you know, pandemic goes, uh, 30% capacity. And uh, it's it's kind of interesting because it actually feels fuller than it actually is. The stadium actually feels a little more full because the way they have everybody spread out in pods and pockets, it actually kind of fills up the stadium. So it didn't feel like an empty, like a, you know, a normal Tuesday night state, you know, game when nobody's there and the stadium's empty. It actually felt kind of, uh, kind of like a decent crowd. And uh, listen, I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to tell you the firsthand experience Whatever your preference and your personal choices are in life, just so you know, about it felt like about less than 50% of the people were actually wearing their masks, right? We're all supposed to be wearing our masks when we are at the game. I was wearing my mask aside from while I was eating my two brats. So yeah, about less than, I would say less than, maybe 40% of the crowd was actually wearing their masks. So just know that if you're planning on going to a game later in April or uh, in May, when they expand to 40%, that's kind of the environment you're walking into, where, yes, there were plenty of people wearing their masks and being responsible, and there were plenty of people that weren't, and they were just having a good old time like it was 2019 all over again. All right, let's talk about the actual game, though, because again, Again, the Indians disappoint us by by scoring three runs again in the first inning and then doing nothing the rest of the game. I mean, that's the storyline. Two nights in a row now, the Indians put up three runs in the first inning in almost identical plays, right? I mean, once again, we have uh, Jose Ramirez scoring from third on an infield grounder. Uh, once again, we have Eddie Rosario getting an RBI hit on a ball that uh, doesn't make it out of the infield. So, or actually, I take that back. It was a ground out. I believe it was a ground out that scored the RBI. Right, because uh, Jose Ramirez 
Jose Ramirez has no fear of breaking for home when he's at third base. Absolutely no fear. Crack of the bat, he was going. He was taking home. So once again, the Indians score three runs in the first inning and can do nothing with it, give it all back to the Yankees, and cannot put anything else together on offense. It's the storyline all again. And you felt it in the stadium. You felt it in the ballpark. There was just no energy anytime the Indians were up. Jordan Luplo hits a double into the corner. Jose Ramirez gets on. It sets up for Mio Reyes. That's right. Jose Ramirez hit that dribbler up the middle that got fumbled. Um, and sets up for Mio Reyes. So that was the only time, the only other time there was energy actually in the ballpark. The entire game. It just, it just was not the Indians' night. There's something about facing the Yankees, and I can't wait to get back to my computer and get back to the stats and find out. It feels like the last couple times we faced the Yankees, they have just had our number. So that was the storyline on offense. It was not a great day for for anybody. Um, on pitching side, oh my, what happened to Logan Allen? You probably have a better idea if you were watching at home than I do at the game of what happened to Logan Allen in this one. He, uh, he only goes two in a third inning. He gave up, I did check baseball savant while I was sitting there. He gave up eight hard-hit balls in only two in a third inning? I mean, that is getting demolished. That is that is unbelievable. He, he was shocked. He was shocked that he couldn't miss a bat, that they were squaring him up and hitting him that hard. And uh, it was hard to watch, to be honest. It was, it was hard to watch because I know Logan Allen has good stuff. I know there is potential there, and I saw the complaints flying on Twitter. Look, he's very young. A lot of these guys are very young, and why is it that we could, you know, want Jake Bowers to be gone, but, you know, we want to give someone like Logan Allen a chance? It's because we've seen someone like Bowers for almost, you know, it's been three seasons now that he's been in the organization here, uh, you know, getting a shot. But Logan Allen is brand new to this organization. I mean, this is really his first time. He got a little bit of run. Uh, I think he got a tiny bit of run in San Diego. But this is really his first shot as a starter for the Cleveland Indians. So, yeah, I'm going to be more patient with Logan Allen than I am some other players. I think there is a ton of talent and potential there with Logan Allen. But for whatever reason, it was not working tonight. And it was home run derby for the New York Yankees. They put up three in the second to tie the game. And these were no doubt about it home runs. These balls were absolutely smoked by the Yankees hitters. And it's uh, Aaron Hicks gets one. Giancarlo, uh, Giancarlo Stanton gets two in the game. He gets one later off of Trevor Steffen. And uh, Runan Odor gets a big two-run home run. That tied the game. And these were absolutely crushed baseballs. The Bronx Bombers are no joke. They live up to the nickname. And what is mind-boggling, absolutely mind-boggling, is the guys that hit the home runs tonight are all hitting under 200 on the season right now. All three of them. Stanton wasn't even in the lineup last night. Stanton, Hicks, Odor all under 200, and they are crushing home runs 
Like they're having all-star caliber seasons. I mean, that's how the Yankees batters looked last night. They look, it looks like we are putting, although I said last night, cause I am so used to doing this in the morning, the next day, they didn't get many hits, right? They only got, I think it was only six hits total on the game, five runs on six hits. But when you hit four home runs, that's all you need. And when you have a bullpen like the Yankees have, that's all you need. So, yeah, I, when they're not fully back. Their offense is not fully back. I mean, our bullpen actually did a pretty good job against them. Cal Quantrill had two good innings. I saw Quantrill run in from the bullpen, and I was like, oh, no, please, no. Where's Sam Hentage? I want to see Sam pitch, not Cal Quantrill. But he goes two scoreless innings. He actually pitched really well tonight. Trevor Steffen uh, was decent. He gives up the home run to Giancarlo Stanton. But he had a decent outing other than that one bad pitch to Stanton, which Stanton has made many pitchers' nights look bad with one bad pitch. So the bullpen actually did pretty good. Uh, it was interesting that Class A came in to pitch. I guess they probably Francona felt like, I don't know if he felt like the game was still in hand with only a two-run deficit, but he definitely felt like he wanted to get him some work, maybe. And uh, it was really interesting to get to watch Classe pitch the ninth, top of the ninth, and then get to watch Araldis Chapman pitch the bottom of the ninth. And uh, I believe, I don't think Chapman ever crossed 100 miles per hour. Classe eventually crossed 100 miles per hour, got his cutter up there. Uh Class A goes first, and it's impressive. It is really impressive watching Class A in person. But it is there is something about Araldis Chapman. It is a whole nother story watching Araldis Chapman pitch in the ninth inning of a game, live in person. Something about his height. I don't know what the official height is on Araldis Chapman, but he is huge on the mound. And he uncoils. His legs are so long. He uncoils. From his windup, he really sinks down deep into his windup, and his stride takes him almost to the front of the dirt of the pitcher's mound. It's incredible the stride that he takes. I think that is what makes Araldis Chapman so difficult to hit. Not just the speed. There's plenty of guys that throw 98, 99, 100 now, right? There are. I think there's probably one on every team at this point. And Class A is impressive. But there's something about the stride that Chapman takes that just makes you feel like he's going to explode off that mound right at you as a hitter. It's something we talked about with Tristan McKenzie because of his arms, right? Because of his arm length, that perceived velocity. I think as hard as Chapman throws, it probably is perceived even harder because of the stride he takes on the mound. So that was really, really cool to see live. I don't know if all my years of going to baseball games, if I've ever gotten to see a Rawlis Chapman pitch live. So that was pretty cool to see. So yeah, another, another rough night for the Cleveland Indians. Another night that started so full of promise, so full of potential. It just fell by the wayside. Jordan Luplo was hitting the ball hard from the leadoff spot, but it goes for not. Uh, he did have a couple of, I don't know what they look like on TV in the ballpark. It felt like he got a hold of a couple that, you know, came up way short of the warning track. He eventually rips the double down the line, man. Uh, uh, Jose Ramirez. I did notice. I don't know again what the official box score says, what baseball savant says. 
but it felt like they were throwing him all change-ups. It felt like they were giving him nothing but change-ups to swing at. And eventually he does hit a single up the middle on a curveball. Uh, so he is able, he lays off a first pitch fastball in the, that must have been the eighth inning, and eventually takes a curveball up the middle with some good exit velocity. But they were throwing him a ton of changeups. So I, I don't know. If I'm the hitting coaches, if I'm Jose Ramirez, I'm saying throw me fastball changeup, fastball changeup, you know, 50 times before every game, you know, in my batting practice. He's got to keep looking at changeups. He's got to adjust his timing and make these guys pay for throwing so many changeups, right? Make them pay for throwing the changeups. Because we've seen plenty of break off speed stuff, breaking balls, changeups, get crushed for home runs. And I know Jose Ramirez can do it. We know what he can do to fastballs. Now he's got to be able to do it to changeups too, to stay a constant threat in the Indians lineup. I have no idea who to give MVP for the day to without looking at the box score. I have no freaking clue if any of these guys, it didn't feel like anyone had a good offensive day. Uh, I guess, I guess MVP for the day goes to, I think I'm going to go to Phil Maton. I think I'm going to go with Phil Maton. He came in after uh, the Indians were down 4-3, after Allen gets run in the third inning, and Maton actually pitched really good. I think he goes one and two-thirds. If I'm remembering this correctly, I think he had at least three strikeouts. I think it was a crooked number in the strikeout column for sure for Phil Maton. He hasn't been used in many high-pressure situations. But he has – he's got a decent ERA so far in the season. I think I, when I looked, his ERA was like a 2.6 maybe, 2.6 something. Uh, so it's actually been a decent start to the season for Phil Maiden. So it will be interesting to see if Maiden can work himself into a role when the team has a lead as opposed to a role when the team is trailing but still in it. That's his role right now. Phil Maiden is the guy you bring in when they're trailing but still in it. Will he get to be the guy that gets the ball when they have the lead now? Uh, I think he's kind of earned it. I think he, especially with his, as much as Wickren has struggled, I think Phil Maiden may have started to earn that role from Terry Francona. So we'll have to see what Francona decides with uh, the next time the Indians have the lead. Because it's uh, two nights in a row now where the, he hasn't gotten a chance to deploy his bullpen like that. So... Two more games against the Yankees. Tomorrow is the matchup we've all been waiting for. Bieber versus Cole. You never know what's going to happen in baseball. You have every, just when you think you know, the opposite is going to happen in baseball. Now, when Bieber and Giolito faced each other, we got the pitcher's duo that we wanted. So, again, Bieber versus Garrett Cole. We will see what happens. All right, that's all my thoughts. I'll be back on Sunday morning to talk about that game with a full show and back at my normal rig with the music, with the normal broadcast. I hope you uh, enjoyed this episode. I will say a little look into being back at the ballpark. You forget how good these guys are. I was sitting uh, right behind home plate. I got really good seats. You forget how good these guys are. Watching these guys pick a hard-hit grounder, right? That double play that they turned on for Mio Reyes, I think, in the eighth inning. The way Torres was able to, Gleyber Torres was able to get to that ball, scoop it, flip the second, fire back to first. It is so 
smooth. It is so good. They are so talented. Uh, Luplo made a good sliding catch out in right field. Uh, watching the way the left fielder was able to, you know, chase down line drives, hit to him when that ball has that curve to it, that spin on it, that's spinning towards the foul line. Coming back and watching a game in person, as opposed to TV, because you see, I was sitting behind home plate and you see the angle of the ball off the bat, so you see the challenge that the fielder has in front of them when it's a shot up the middle or it's a line drive towards the left field corner. You see the challenge in front of that fielder because of the spin on the ball. And you really get an appreciation for how good these guys are and how talented Major League Baseball players are. So, yeah. So, that is my final thought from actually being at the ballpark again and experiencing a game live in person. Man, baseball is fun, but the Indians are just boring on offense right now, especially in this series against the Yankees. All right. That's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me again on this Cleveland baseball morning. Even though I'm recording this at night driving home, I'll drop it first thing in the morning. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Ferris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. You know the rest. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning.